Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Twenty-first birthday! Thank you so much for coming out today, and uh, you don't get to see uh, my lovely wife of forty-seven years. That's right. And um, because she's keeping, she's doing things in the back all the time, but I wanted her to come up and say a few words. <laughs> well, good morning, guys. Happy birthday. Yay, yay. Awesome. This has been a wonderful journey for 21 years. Um, sorry, I get a little emotional. God has blessed us with so many wonderful people made new friends. I mean, it's just awesome. So I'm just grateful for you guys, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to do this with you. So, amen. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, uh, 21 years ago, when we set up for the meeting, uh, Karen, she says, well, how many chairs do you think we should set up? I said, 20. Um, you know, we're just getting going, and and uh, and so she, I think she wanted to s- set up about a hundred and a hundred and nineteen of you guys showed up, and um, you just you kept showing up. You, I mean, it's the way of, you know, church planters. It's like every Sunday is like, I wonder if anybody will be there the next Sunday, <laughs> and so you just keep showing up, and you guys kept showing up, and. I know there are actually folks here that were with us in the very first meeting. Can you raise your hand? I know Hertz were here and my brother and sister-in-law over here. Anybody else? Yeah, Bill over here. You guys, thank you. Look how long you stuck it out. I can't believe you're that old. You're here 21 years. Yeah, and thank you to all of you who, uh, who have, of course, been here and, and are here. Or maybe you're just beginning your journey with us here at the Vineyard. Um, any of you guys remember Jaws? Uh, I know that wasn't 90s. I know, I know. I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, I think they called him Bruce. That's what they nicknamed him, Spielberg and those guys. And, and uh, Bruce, and uh, I, when I saw Jaws movie, I had gotten out of surfing down here at the Yachtsman, and uh, two brothers named Steve and John Bailey, we had surfed the, the yes, right, so we surfed the pier, and uh, I went back to the Bailey's house, and uh, we got something to eat. And then uh, Steve says, "Hey, have you seen Jaws yet?" And I said, "No, what is it?" He's like, oh, "You got to go see this movie." And I said, "I don't have any money." And they said they pulled their money together and went to the Camelot, went up to the, and so John's on one side of me, Steve's on the other side. I've never seen this movie, and you know the part where the head drops down from the boat. Yeah, remember that part? Well, right when that head dropped down, Steve and John both jumped on me and went, rah, like that. It just like, I just jumped out of the, I mean, it just totally freaked me out. And it was like, and every time now, even when I see that movie, I'm like, I can't go watch this scene, you know, I can't watch that. It's, uh, but, but in all honesty, now with all you 90s folks and younger, you know, that kind of technology is not as scary, is it? I mean, it's really not, and, and it actually, yeah, I mean, look, that's not that. I've seen real sharks. That's not one, and, uh, you know, it's not, but at the time, it's, it's funny how fear grabs us because in the moment, right, it's in the moment, things can seem a lot sketchier than they are, 
And then we get through it and we look back on the other side of it and we go, it wasn't really as bad as I thought it was. But fear, fear does some strange things to us. Comes on us at times when we're not expecting it. It does things to us that we wish it never would do. It can seemingly rob us, steal from us, uh, hold us captive, keep us from taking the next step in life. And as we've been in this journey on Love Does, Bob Goff uses Jaws. He mentions Jaws in the, uh, in the participant guide, the study guide for this series that we're in. And how uh, fear, you know, can... If you think sharks scare you, just watch Sharknado. Uh, like about, you know, there's, I think there's 15 iterations of that dumb movie. And you won't be afraid anymore. But, you know, love does, but fear won't. Love propels us and encourages us and it, it puts us, you know, gives us this energy, this wonderful energy to do things and wonderful things and to treat people wonderful ways and to process life in some healthy ways as well. But fear will lock you down and stop you right in that place in your life and try to rob you of anything good that's coming. And uh, so we're going to look at a passage of scripture today on our 21st birthday over in Mark, the sixth chapter. And I like a little habit we've developed here of reading the scripture together. So I want to read this and then I'll, I'll pray over it after this. So can we, read, can we read this story together? Here we go. Immediately. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for 21 years uh, of your faithfulness here at the Vineyard in Myrtle Beach. Thank you for all the iterations, Lord, of this church and the way you've led us and been there for us. And Jesus, we want to celebrate you first and foremost today. Jesus, you, you are here everything. You gave everything for us. Uh, you are the Lord of all, and you are the Lord of this church. You are the senior pastor of this church. And you have given us this story today to unpack, to look at. And, and Holy Spirit, I ask for your help today. If you give me the gift of teaching, give me uh, understanding, help us for the next few minutes. Help me in my weakness, Lord, and may we hear what you want us to hear today. I do pray, Lord, that indeed... Uh, and all of us get stuck in fear at times that those of us who may be feeling hijacked and taken hostage by some fear in our lives, that today, Lord, your wonderful, wonderful good news would indeed be good news of liberation to all of us, Lord, wherever we are in our lives. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for being with us. Amen. 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 
Well, the book of Mark, Gospel of Mark, 16 chapters, short book. You can read it in just a few minutes. Why don't you do it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a little different than the other Gospels. And there are a couple of takes on the book of Mark, how it was written. Some, you know, in the second century of the church, one of the church fathers believed that it was handed down from Peter. Maybe even, uh, you know, dictated the story. But most, a lot of people don't think so, think that it was you know, from someone else, a guy named Mark, whatever, it's an awesome story, you know, wherever it comes from. Now, these stories, and I love the stories because Mark is kind of written in narrative form, kind of like uh, you can read it. Actually, you ought to sit down and read the 16 chapters just in one sitting because that's how you get the most of it. Just sit down and read right straight through it. Uh, in this story, what has just happened the disciples just saw 5,000, really probably around 12, 15,000, 5,000 men, it says. So it would have been children and women fed with just a few loaves of bread and fish, right? Miraculous story. They'd gotten in a boat, right, to get away. So they've already been in a boat one time. They got in a boat and they ended up where they showed up. There comes the crowd around Jesus again. Jesus preaches through the day. The disciples look and see that everybody's getting tired. And it's like, hey, they need to go to the village, buy themselves something to eat. Jesus says, you feed them. Just like Jesus. You feed them. What? That would take a whole year's wages. We don't have the money. What do you have? Jesus says. So they collect five loaves to two fish. Jesus blesses it. And I love this fact. He takes it, puts it back in the disciples' hands. Right? I mean, Jesus could have stepped in there and done it himself, but instead, he gives it to them. He says, now you go feed them. Have them sit down in groups, small groups. They sit down in small groups around so they can get comfortable. The disciples start handing out the happy meals, and they just keep going and going and going and going and going until everybody's fed. And then we come to this passage of Scripture. And... When you see a verse that starts with the word immediately, by the way, it's said again down here, that word is used twice in this story, then it takes on a certain unction, you know, a certain like expediency in time. Like Jesus is trying to, to get them to see something, something he doesn't want the time to go by and then not grasp what's about to happen. So immediately, this is even before he has the crowds, he disperses the crowds immediately after they collect the 12 baskets of fish and bread. He tells them to get in the boat and to head to Bethsaida, which would be northeast, right? And so uh, immediately, imagine that. You're just taking up all the bread, you're doing the work. It's late in the evening, right before dark, and you're like, well, maybe it's finally over. And Jesus goes, get in the boat, go. What? You know, get in the boat and go. Go to Bethsaida. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend some time with my father because that's where I was headed before. And, and now I'm going to get to spend some time. I'll take care of the crowds. You go on. And so the guys get in the boat again after they've already rowed. They've already, you know, made it to this spot. And they row off and Jesus lets the crowd go. And then he goes up on the mountain to begin praying. Uh, Jesus keeps praying and the disciples keep rowing. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? <laughs> it's like, you know, 
where's Jesus? Oh, he's praying. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, you just keep rowing. You keep rowing. There's three fears, I think, that in this passage of Scripture that uh, Jesus is trying to help us understand and come to grips with. And the first one, and if you flip your handout over, you can fill these in on the back side, is the fear of being alone. That's a very, a very tangible fear at times. Uh, it can kind of overwhelm you, can it? Like you feel like you're the only one going through what you're going through. You're the only one that's available to help you. There's nobody else that's going to come in and bail you and rescue you. You're there by yourself. And I can imagine the disciples, they've been with Jesus this all this time and now he tells them to get in the boat and head out and they're out in the gale wind comes up it's like this offshore wind they're trying to paddle into a way they can't get into it the wind's just buffing them buffing them then they're by themselves in the night time it's at night it's dark no electricity Jesus is up on the mountainside and they're rowing away he told us to head to Bethsaida we're heading out such a lonely place to be with their own strength, with their own... And these are fishermen and they're in trouble. And, um, you know, when Jesus shows up, finally, it's what they would call the fourth watch of the night. And that is like the darkest time of the night from about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., right in that period of time. So all during this period of time, the disciples have been rowing, rowing, rowing alone. The one that they just saw pray over the fishes and the loaves. The one that they've watched do the miracles. The one that they've watched do all of this is nowhere to be found. They're all alone in this or at least they thought they are. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you thought like, where are you God? You know, where are you? I've, I've had some funny times like that and, and I've had some desperate times like that. Um, we first started this church about the second year in. Uh, a friend of mine Asked me to go to Costa Rica to go surfing. Like just two years into this church, starting this church. So I said, yeah, I need a break. Let me go. So I went with him, right? Waves got bigger, 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 bigger every day until they called it Big Thursday this one day. And so we watched it for an hour, studied it, figured a way to get out without getting pummeled too bad. Got out. And I mean, we were playing it smart. And then caught a great wave and got stuck as all you could see for as far as you could look. Waves this big. This is this room. And they were just stacking up, 20, 30 of them, just coming. And so me, being the great uh, wise person I am, instead of, <laughs> instead of going in, and uh, I said, I can paddle out, you know. It's like, what is it? It's water, right? And, uh, and so I get pummeled. I mean, really pummeled to the point to where I had to stand on my board, take a deep breath, empty, dive down to get away from it. And the third time that happened to me after the wave, I'm... Way down deep, and the thought comes to me, I just started this church, I'm going to drown in Costa Rica. <laughs> and I started laughing. I mean, I, I was, I don't know if I was giddy from lack of oxygen or what was going on, but I just started, <laughs> just like this, bubbles were coming up, and I'm, you know, can't tell which way's up, which way's down, and then, and I, but then, all, this is no lie, all of a sudden, I just felt this very wonderful calm come and, and heard, you're not going to drown. Chill, man. Just relax. And uh, it was easier said than done. But obviously it didn't happen. Those are kind of funny times, but they're, they can be desperate times. But there are other times where maybe you're facing an illness or you've lost a loved one. When we started this church, two months before we started this church, we lost our grandson. Two months before. 
And we're, I mean, you're, you're in there praying, you're trying to understand it all, and you're trying to find God in the midst of that to come and be with you. And all you feel is wind, wind, wind. Ever been there? Are you there? Are you there this morning? Jesus, have you ever noticed that Jesus, uh, that he will teach you in the midst of uh, irritating hard situations? That he will use those times to do that. John 14, 18. Jesus told his disciples, he said, I will, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's a promise. And I'll have to say, he did come to me. And there's so many of you in here today who could say at your worst time when the gale was blowing, when the wind was blowing, when you felt like there was no one around to bail you out, to help you out. Somehow, some way, he did come to you. He didn't say, you're not mine. You're on your own. Because that's not what he does. That's not who he is. He doesn't do that. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you alone. I will not just, like, I won't be in a place where I can't be found. And in this story, we find that out. So there's this fear of being alone that I'm sure the disciples were going through at that moment in time. Having just been with him all day long and seeing these miraculous things, now they're on their own in the boat in the middle of a gale wind. And secondly, there's the fear of wasting life. Wasting life. Like you worked so hard to make something of your life or to make something of, of your job, your business, your family. And you feel like you're just rowing, rowing, rowing. I mean, these are professional fishermen here that are doing this rowing. These guys are not novices. This isn't their first rodeo. They've been in a lake before with a gale wind. But this time, they're not getting anywhere. All of their expertise, all of their strength, it's not paying off this time. And you know, it wasn't the storm that was threatening them. Because it wasn't the storm, it was a gale wind. It was just a strong wind. It was their lack of strength to persevere that was threatening them. They had come to the end of all they knew to do. And they couldn't do much more. They had rowed and rowed and rowed. Paddled, paddled and paddled. And they're still in the same spot. That's a very helpless feeling. Uh, I took some time off in July. And I did some paddling. Just got on my board and paddled. And I paddled down in Myrtle's Inlet. From There's a groin down there that... A lot of surfers, the little jetty down there, a lot of surfers go to. And so from that groin to the outcropping in Merle's Inlet to the mouth is, it takes about, took me right at an hour to go there and come back and to paddle. One day I went on a, on a tide that was lower. I didn't check the tides really well. And I went down there and I got around those rocks where it's sucking in and you can see the swirls. And I'm, you know, just cruising by, looking at, Beautiful, everything. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the tail of my board starts doing this. Starts getting pulled in toward the rocks, you know. And I'm like, oh, paddle a little bit more. Just paddle. You paddle and you paddle and you exert all of everything you have. And it feels like, you know what, I am just wasting my time. I'm wasting my life. 
No matter how hard I work, no matter how much effort I put into my family, how much effort I put into my business, how much effort I put into my school, my classes, it seems like I'm not going anywhere. I'm just, life seems to be a waste. And these professional fishermen are in that moment and I can only imagine what, what they're thinking and what they're feeling at that time. We should have this, you know. We should be making some headway. I should be in a different position now in life than I was a year ago, two years, five years. And I'm working so hard and I'm not going anywhere. Wasting a life. It's like Jesus, though. What I love about Jesus is that he seems to be so nonchalant about bailing us out. Have you ever noticed that? You know, it's, it, you have friends that come up to you and they help you and they go, Are you okay? Are you all right? Jesus just goes, Hey, take courage. It's me. It's me. You know, I mean, it's like, take courage, you know, don't fear. It's me. But yeah, I wouldn't. You know, and, 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 you know, it's me. It's me. So there's this fear. It says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars. And every time I read this, I think of God looking at us when we're working so hard. We're doing everything we know to do. To try to make life work. To try to get our life on track. And it just seems like we're in the same spot. Over and over. Straining at the oars. Making no headway. And you know they were headed. Here's, the, here's the, one of the most beautiful parts of this story. They're trying to go northeast to Bethsaida. The wind is blowing them so hard. They're getting blown to the northwest. And what happens when Jesus... He shows up, right? He sees them. Now, it's the middle of the night. How does he see them? Well, that's Jesus, you know. <laughs> Jesus can see like that. And uh, he sees them straining. He knows when we're straining. He knows when we've hit the wall. He knows when we're at the point where we just don't feel like we can row one more time. He knows in our life when we've hit those points and times and we think we should be, we should be somewhere else now. I should be at another stage in my life. I should be at a different place right now. He knows. He sees all of that. All of it. No matter how dark, whether it's two in the morning, one in the morning, the third watch, the fourth watch of your life. Jesus sees it from there and he heads out. He sees you straining. And I love that word. Like, oh, please, I'm doing all I know to do. So they get blown off course. Have you been blown off course? Have you ever been blown off course? North, headed northeast, you get blown off course northwest, and they end up in a place called Gennesaret. What happens in Gennesaret? People get healed. Now, if you ask the people of Gennesaret whether the disciples were blown off course or not, what would they tell you? Oh, no, they were meant to be here. <laughs> you see, that's the thing about God, and that's the thing about Jesus, is wherever you are is what you have. That is your present moment, and that is your reality now. And this is what God uses, and this is what he does, and where he does it right now. They thought they got blown off course. God had a different idea. Yeah, you're not going to make it. You know, they did make it to Bethsaida. You just got to read a little further. But they made it, got blown off course to Gennesaret. And just like the people that are in your life right now, if you feel like you've been blown off course, if you're there for them, if you're there and you're allowing the love of God to flow in your life and you are to be present with people in the moment, you have not been blown off course. Yeah. 
Where you are is where God is with you right now. So here's what I want you to do. If you've been looking at the Northeast and you're going, man, I should be in Bethsaida. How about look to the Northwest where you're headed or where you are and look for the people of Genesaret because they're here. They're around you right now, right where you are, no matter where you are on the course of life. And your life is not wasted unless you waste it right now. Done. Done. What you have is now. This is where Jesus is looking right now. He notices your straining. You know, he could have got in the boat and gone, and the boat turned and went to the northeast. He didn't, did he? It doesn't even say he rode. I mean, he got in the boat, things calmed down, and they went on to where they were blown to. You get this? It's in the moment that love does. It's in the place that we are that love shows its greatest power and strength. Not where we wanted to be. Not where we even think we should be. But where we are. Love does. Now, your life is not wasted. You have it. You're in this room today on this beautiful Sunday morning. You're here and you have the life that God has given you. Here you are with him, with Jesus. He's... (laughs) He's in the boat with you. He's given his very life for you. He's talking to God the Father about you. He's pleading and interceding with the Father for us. You are not out of location. You have to decide whether you are in the moment or not. You get this? We all have to grab it right now and go, my life is not wasted. I have right now. I may not be in Bethsaida. But I'm in Genesaret, and there are a lot of people right here in Genesaret. And all of them are going to go, man, glad you guys planned to come here. You know, it's like, it's just like being here this morning, you know. I mean, this was, you know, started in a surfing contest, and, you know, this is where it ended up at, right here. (laughs) Right here, this morning. This is it. As God takes the winds of our lives and as he takes our efforts and when we're straining against the oars and against the wind and he just says you're going to end up on that beach and where you do I'm going to be right there because there's people there that I love and that I care about so just put Bethsaida out of your mind for a little bit and take advantage of Genesaret because you're going to make it to Bethsaida eventually just hold on fear of loneliness of being alone fear of failing in faith And I love what Jesus says. I mean, he's the man of few words, right? I mean, he comes out to him and he goes, take courage. First word, take courage. Now, if you saw some guy walking out on the water toward you and you heard the first words were take courage. I mean, you know. Um, And then he says something phenomenal. He says, it is I. What is another iteration of it is I? I am. There you go. There you go. He's reinforcing once again who he is. Don't you guys get it? I am. It is I. Then he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Like, come on. Let's go. Have courage. I'm here. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Let's get going. Even though they seem to be blown off course. You know, they're missing the picture completely. They miss it. They don't get it. And uh, this is your third and final feeling. And that is sometimes we fear failing in faith. 
Some of you in this room feel like you have failed God so many times that you wonder if he would even ever, I mean, much just love you, much less like involve you in what he wants to do in life. And these guys, let me tell you, these disciples still didn't get it at this point. You notice this story ends with it says they didn't, they didn't understand about the loaves. They didn't understand about the fishes and the loaves. What is going on with Jesus coming out to them? Well, here's the beauty. I tell you guys to read the scripture all the time. Here's the beauty. You, you have to read. You take the New Testament and you lay it over the Old Testament, right? And you read. I like to read the Old Testament through the New Testament. And so in the Old Testament, for example, Moses Right? Ten Commandments have been broken. He's having a conversation with God about God's people. Like, oh, man. And, uh, you know, and, and God says this to him. Listen to this. In, in Mark 6 here, it's such a weird statement. It says, Jesus intended to pass them by. What's that about? Jesus intended to just walk right on by. Spooky. You know, it was Jesus. No, don't walk by here, you know. He, what is going on with this? What is going on with intended to walk by? Well, here it is. Here's the beauty of it, okay? Jesus is trying to communicate with the disciples, trying to get them to see who he is. They just watched him multiply the fishes and the loaves. They still haven't gotten it. So in the Old Testament... The Old Testament prophets and people would have these epiphanies of God showing up. And listen to this. In Exodus 33 and 19 and 22, Moses is having a conversation with God. And here's what God says. I will cause my goodness to do what? Pass in front of you. Pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. When my glory passes by. Same wording, same way. Passes by. Jesus intended to pass by. And then Elijah, remember Elijah, in the, he was in the uh, cave, he was worn out. God took him to the cave to rest. And then in uh, 1 Kings 19.11, it says, here's God speaking. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For what? For the Lord is about to what? Pass by. Now these boys in the boat are good Jewish boys. They've been raised. They know the Old Testament. They know the Old Testament. Jesus is trying to get them to see he is God. They knew these stories passing by. Jesus intended not to mess with them, to play with them. It was an Old Testament picture of God showing up. But now he's showing up. Emmanuel, God is with us. So he intended to walk by so they could see and recognize. And you know what? They still didn't get it. So listen, when you don't get it sometimes... Jesus will still get in your boat. When you don't get it sometimes and you think your faith has failed you and you're like, I should have had more faith. I should have believed stronger. He's there. I'm going to lose it. I'm not, I, I, I've failed God so many times. God is going to write me off. Take courage. It is I. Fear not. And then he gets in your life. He gets in your boat. And he goes with you wherever you were headed. And then eventually, he gets you to where you were headed, where you were going. Listen, if you have failed miserably in your faith walk, Jesus is passing by today, and he's not going to walk on by. He's going to jump right into that boat, 
and he's going to be there. Do you get this with the Old Testament? How God, see, these kind of things are in this book all over it. I mean, everywhere. It's like, you know, I've been trying to learn for 47 years with Jesus, and I'm like, I don't know anything. You know, I, I read these things, and I see that, and I'm like, thank you, Lord, and it just builds our faith as we know Jesus is trying to get the attention of his friends so that they can see that finally God has come to earth in him for them. Take courage, boys. I am. It is I. Fear not. Fear not. You don't have to fear being alone. Whether it's in the night watch, wherever it is. He sees you're straining at the oars. You don't have to fear being alone. You don't have to fear uh, losing your faith. You don't have to fear thinking you're wasting your life. And that things are, you're never going to get on track. No, you're here right now, today, this moment. And it begins right now. Right now. We have to be in the moment with God. In order to see love happen and work in us daily and with one another and with those that we are around. God is here in Jesus Christ. He has done what he promised to do in sending his son. And he is passing by right now. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.